Welcome to episode 82 of Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Maine. By day, I co-host a morning radio show on a network in New York and Pennsylvania. By nights, I'm a podcaster. If you're a woman like me who loves Jesus and just wants to serve her family and community a little better, you're in the right place. Would you let your kindergartner go swimming in a tank full of sharks? You are anytime you let them go on the internet unsupervised. It's a playground for predators. In fact, 88% of trafficking is now taking place online. Lisa Hansen is CEO and founder of Power Over Predators. Her work today is a result of her experience being trafficked. Would you share about what happened to you at age 14? It goes back even earlier than 14. Um, Sexual abuse entered my story at the age of four. And that was the catalyst into me running away at the age of 14 and ending up um, in a situation of child trafficking. And um, so, you know, I tend to be the person who wants to figure out how did how did we get here? Because trafficking is is the big shiny object that people tend to look at. But if you don't unpack how we got there, we're missing a lot of the story. And so um, the, the majority of trafficking victims have all experienced some form of abuse uh, in their past that led to trafficking. So the, the story for me was with the abuse, the way that my body, my mind, my soul interpreted it was, you better be the best little girl that you can be. And so I performed and performed and performed to make sure that people would still love me because if they knew how I felt deep down inside, it would be something that um, I just couldn't. I just couldn't live through. It felt like I wouldn't be able to live through it if people knew. Um, and so that shame was what kept me in a performance mode. And you know, nobody can be perfect <laughs> their whole life. And that was really the catalyst when when I realized I, I just flipped off the world and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't be perfect. And um, I'm I ran away. And uh, that led me right into the arms of abusers. And uh, it was a very long, I would say, 10-year battle just to get back home. So I, my parents really didn't get reconnected with me until I was uh, pregnant with my first son and decided to marry one of my abusers as a result of that pregnancy because I thought, man, I I need a dad in this kid's life, not thinking things through. So it went from just a 10-year uh, battle of, you know, living on the streets, being in and out of homes that uh, with complete strangers to, you know, trying to do the right thing and, and raising my son in, in a family. What it took, though, for me to get out of that was really having to leave with my boys, because at this point, I, I tried to make this relationship work for at least five years. And, and it just got so bad that I had, I realized I couldn't expose my boys to, to um, this type of abuse. And so ended up moving back in with my parents, just asked them, Hey, I need a do over. Can I come home? And they said yes, with open arms. So I moved back into my home with my two little boys, uh, with my parents. And um, Strangely enough, but commonly enough, went right back into that performance mode and thought, okay, I have to be the best mom I can be. And my sweet mom, thank goodness, saw the signs of my repetitive behavior and said, you know what, hon? 
you can't give what you don't have. And I love the way that you're raising your boys. And she said, but, but if you don't have your own worth and you don't believe that you are worth anything, then it's not going to translate to your kids. And so, you know, it really does start with who do I believe that I am? You know, my identity and my, my character um, is what I needed to go back to and learn first. And it, it was my foundation and my character, my identity was all based on my abuse. So I really still did believe that I I deserved nothing good, that I had no value, and my value was to be found in me being the best in everything that I did. And so that was really the catalyst for me to say, okay, how many kids out there, my kids included, are experiencing some form of shame from something that they that they are now living as their identity and how can I talk to them? How can I share truth with them? How can we free children from living a life that is not their story? It's somebody else's story. It's maybe an abuse story. It's maybe whatever story you can imagine, a lot of children are not living in their true identity. They're living based on an experience that is trying to define them. Describe your identity now. I love to refer to an old word called the tutelary. And so my identity as a tutelary is a guardian and protector and restorer of innocence. Um, I am priceless. I am a child of God and I am a daughter of the King. And that for me to be able to step into that identity um, has been just so fruitful. I'm a wife now of 25 years. I'm a mother of three boys. I'm a grandmother of seven. And I just, I'm free to communicate the value of human life in such a way that people believe it. And they have hope as a result of hearing that truth. Traffickers very much know what they're looking for and seek out people who are in the situation you were in. You don't have a lot of your own resources. You already have some shame, some guilt, some depression, something that you're looking to fill, and, and they prey on that. How, mm-hmm. how do they find people? It's easy. There's, there's children everywhere. So a predator, if we look in the animal kingdom, they have an innate ability to know how to set a trap. They, they go after the weak link. So it's almost just kind of built into them to find that person or that whoever they are preying upon because they have a skill. They have a skill set as a predator. And we don't think about it that way, um, but that's exactly what it is. And so all a predator has to do is take a few minutes to figure out your vulnerabilities and what's most important to you. Well, okay, what's most important to each one of us as an individual is to be seen, to be known, to be loved, and to be cared for. And so it's very, very easy for a trafficker, for a predator, for any kind of abuser to take advantage of those vulnerabilities, and especially children. You know, their vulnerabilities are not their weaknesses, but it's what the predators use as a weakness to manipulate, to develop trust, and and to get a child into 
a very dangerous situation. And the trap now is set online more often than not. It just made the traffickers' job so much easier. Our kids are being raised on the Internet in something that, I mean, a generation ago didn't even exist really in commonplace. What should we be looking for as parents? Uh, You know, nobody wants to be that mean parent that locks everything down. But really, if you want to have power over predators, I love that as the name of your organization because it it kind of puts the ball back in your court. How can we exert that power over this dark thing that we're letting into our house and letting our kids just roam around in? Well, first off, the numbers are saying that 88% of of trafficking is now taking place online. So we just have to be aware of that as a reality through social media, through apps, through gaming, through, you know, just anywhere. That's where trafficking is taking place. It is especially important for parents to realize The younger your children are, the bigger of a target they have on their head. And so today, the average age where a child is being given access to a smart device is six years old. So a lot of parents, what they don't realize, let me give you an example. I had a mother come up to me after I gave a presentation at at an event, and her question to me was, can a five-year-old be addicted to pornography? And I said, Yes, um, a five-year-old can be addicted to pornography. I said, what led you to ask me that question? She said, well, my daughter has a tablet that we have all the things set to, you know, you've taken all the precautions. She only has a certain amount of time where she's allowed to be on there. And she said, and we, we were giving her access to a game that was age appropriate for her, but discovered that she clicked something that came up on that game and it ended up being pornography. And now all she wants to do is the pornographic images. And she's only five. She doesn't know how to type, but she knows how to use that little microphone button. And what she searched for was something that is your is a parent's worst nightmare. And she's five. And so we have to be aware of a couple of things. Not only are there traffickers or abusers or online predators using um, the these apps and these games to gain access to our kids, the pornography industry is literally creating content constantly to be inserted into children's games and shows where children go to watch something where a parent has this peace of mind that, oh, it's a kid's show or it's a kid's game or it's a kid's app. They're, they're literally inserting that stuff in there so that our kids will naturally click on it and then naturally want to, to watch whatever it is that comes up. So as parents, we just have to realize that, you know, the latest numbers show that there's over 500,000 online predators that the Department of Justice can verify. And so you think about your kiddo, one child up against 500,000 sharks swimming through that internet, and how likely is your child going to go unscathed is my question to a lot of parents. So this is not a guilt trip. This is just something you've got to be aware of. And so more importantly than anything is, you know, you might be a parent who's going to be like, I am not going to have internet for my child. My kid's just not going to have it plain and simple. Or 
I'm going to give my kid a phone that does not have internet access so that we can communicate. Or, you know, I am go- I, what I'm going to have to do is have daily conversations with my kids. I'm going to have to be the one sitting down with my kid while they're playing a game on an app. I mean, we just, we just have to, to rethink everything as parents when it comes to devices for our kids. Because you're right, this didn't exist for us, so we don't understand the implications. We just have to be aware of that. And, you know, I want to offer a little olive branch of hope. Every day is a do-over, you know, and, and, and it's okay to take a look at, is it worth the risk that my child uh, could see something that could have life-altering effects that could have been avoided? There comes a point where the Internet is unavoidable. Correct. How can we teach our kids how to be smart, how to be aware of the sharks, how to avoid the sharks without terrifying them? I I heard a really neat analogy of the word fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. So we cannot approach the Internet with fear. We have to approach the Internet with knowledge and power. And, And we also have to approach the reality of we don't give our kids keys to drive a car at the age of five because they're not ready. So again, we might need to be rethinking, is my kid ready to have a smart device, ready for the internet? What a, what a crazy ride the internet is, right? Because you're right, it is unavoidable most of the time in daily life. I mean, you and I are using it right now to produce something good. And so that's what we want to do is take the approach of how can we use the internet for good, and how can we teach our children how to use it for good um, so that they go in with power, with confidence instead of fear. What we have to do is teach kids the signs of predators. Pop-ups, as far as I'm concerned, anytime a kid gets a pop-up, what a parent needs to communicate is anytime you see something that pops up on your screen, would you come show me please? please show me that pop-up. We're going to get rid of that pop-up. Even if it looks like a great pop-up, even if it is a safe pop-up, it's a pop-up. And that is what we call fishing. It is clickbait. So think about that. If you're the fish and somebody's dropping bait, there's a hook in there. Even if it's a safe thing for somebody and it doesn't actually have anything nefarious behind it, just create in your mind that is a piece of bait that potentially has a hook it's not worth the risk. Because if we bite, we get that hook in our mouth and and it could be dangerous for us in the long run. So if we give people the, especially children, the power to say, I'm not going to click on that. I'm not going to take that bait. They have power right there. Instead of being afraid, they they have agency to walk away or swim away if we want to look at it that way. And then anytime we do recognize where there's a situation that somehow a predator has gotten through to your child. Now what we do is we come alongside our child. It's not the device that's bad. It's not the internet that's bad. It's predators that are using the internet for nefarious purposes. So that's the other thing that helps us stay in a conversation with our children. Instead of the device becoming something that divides us, it's something that we are using as a tool for good together. I still have to caution people in really rethinking when we're going to give kids the keys to this car, because it's a car 
that is out of control and our kids are just trying to navigate it without crashing. And I just don't think that's very realistic. I must be internet naive because, or maybe it's just that I close every pop-up that shows up, because I've never stumbled across pornography or anything that I think a predator would use to reach a child, which would make sense because they're not trying to reach me. They're trying exactly. to reach kids. They're, I think that the fact that a lot of parents maybe have never encountered it makes them think that... It doesn't exist. So sitting with your child as they're using your phone is an important thing because you're probably going to get a different perspective for what's really going on. Absolutely. You know, there's some really great resources out there, but here's a, my husband works with an organization called Cyber Patrol. And once a month, what they do is they sit down and they, they, they partner with law enforcement. They send out just a quick ad about a child. And um, within seconds, their phones are blowing up with predators because they're literally waiting for something to pop up. So consider now predators are sitting online, literally fishing. That's what they call it. They're literally fishing for those kids to open up their first Instagram account, their first Snapchat, their first TikTok. You have to look at it from this perspective. That child, even though it is innocent, they have literally just placed an ad that they are available. So you're right. Predators are not looking for an adult who might have the wherewithal to protect themselves, right? But if you look at the quote unquote ads that we are placing every time we go onto our social media apps or platforms, that we are placing ads for ourselves. We are telling people about ourselves. So if you're 11 years old and you're opening up an Instagram account, You've just placed an ad that you are 11 and you are available. Even though it's innocent, those predators look at it like, this is the one I'm going to go after. And, and if they don't get that one, they're going to, they're going to hound on those kids until they get, until they cave. And so you're exactly right. As a parent, you've got to be aware of the fact that when our kids are going online and they're playing a kid's game, Predators are like, okay, a new kid that just joined this gaming site. Even though I can't see their face or whatever, I can get to know a child through this gaming app. Let's talk about GRWM, the Get Ready With Me trend. Sometimes when I see these pop up just in my generic Instagram or TikTok feed, I'm thinking, what parents is letting their 12, 13, 14-year-olds describe their fashion, their makeup, see the inside of their bedroom. Like it, it baffles me and it, it and it also kind of makes me angry. We're feeding the beast, right? In yep. in what we're letting our kids do. Oh, we are. And and I think I just you know, for me, again it goes back to identity, right? We want to be seen, known and loved for who we are. And so if we are struggling with feeling that way and believing that somebody is loving us enough to where we feel seen, we know we're seen, we know we're loved, why wouldn't we open up the world to our, our bedroom, to our fashion, to our style? Because we're correlating all of that to our identity, but that's a false identity. You know, if, if you are really being seen, known, loved, cared for, then being care all of that requires protection. So, you know, for me, it's like, 
I get so concerned behind the mindset that that is where we find our identity is is through getting ready with me. I mean, just think about that. It's like it's with it's community. It's it's being seen, right? And so it's just such a false reality. But again, a lot of us, like it took me, I, I was, I was what, almost 30 years old before I was secure in my identity. And I got to tell you, I still have to fight to protect my identity every day because I can get lost and get wrapped up in what other people think and what other people say. And so if I let other people define me and define my worth, and to find my value, I've lost my identity. And so many of us are just walking around, not living in our own identity. And, and it could be parents included. And this is not a shaming conversation. This is a ask yourself the question, are you the author of your story or is somebody else writing this script for you, even if you're a parent? You know, because you get to take that back. That to me is, again, it's another pop-up in our feed. Get ready with me. Why? Why would I let you do that? Why why would I let that happen to my child? It's because we're looking for community. So what are some ways that we can use even technology to help our kids to facilitate healthy community? You know, I think, okay, well, if there's two 14-year-old girls who are friends, they can get on FaceTime and do their makeup together. Like the whole world doesn't need to see it. That is using technology and having a genuine one-on-one connection with somebody. What are some other ways that we can foster healthy community for our kids without being the no-fun parents? Nobody wants to be the no-fun parents. That's just part of the conversation that we have, you know, using it for good. And what we really have to teach our children is healthy relationships, first and foremost, right? And so the only way that you can be in a healthy relationship in a safe relationship is with somebody that you actually know. That sounds super simple and common sense, but when you actually think about, do I really know this person? Would I really, would this person actually be in my bathroom if this was a real life scenario? Would this person be in my bathroom? Would we be getting ready together because I know them, they're safe? A lot of people don't even realize, you know, those cameras, on our phones and on our televisions and on our computers, a lot of people know how to get through those cameras and you don't realize that you're being watched by other people. So really, it's kind of like, okay, I, I might feel safe that I know this person because we grew up together or you know, I can trust them because we have time based on our relationship with each other and trust. But all of that stuff takes time. So if we are really going to pursue relationship with other people and community via the internet and social media, what we really have to be smart in is the relationships that we choose to be in online. You almost have to think creepier than the creepy people do. (laughs) Absolutely, which is totally counter to who we are as human beings. Most of us don't think that way, but you're right. It, It really is. And that's why A lot of people are like, oh, how do I know the signs of a trafficking victim? A lot of it is based on behavior because the signs are not out there, you know, to like, I'm, you know, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says I'm being abused or I'm wearing a, you know, I'm, I, 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 anyway, a lot of us don't even realize that we're, we're in an abuse situation because nobody's talking about it. So definition, defining things, seriously, it's, it's so important. It's so simple to start with defining what abusive relationships look like 
because that's when kids and adults go, oh my gosh, that's my story. That's what I'm experiencing. I didn't really know that there was a definition and that just gives me so much power now so that I can be the one in control. So I, I tend to say, look, if, if you want me to teach the signs of trafficking, you got to ask the questions differently. Are you in a relationship with someone who, you know, determines what you wear, uh, determines who your friends are, you know, things like that. And, you know, then you're sitting there going, oh, that's not OK, is it? No, that's the sign of a predator. And here's how you get help. You can hear more about how to keep your kids safe online when you hear Lisa speak at the Dark Side of Social Media Seminar coming to Family Life October 21st. She'll be joined by Joseph Sweeney from the Acervo Project. This event is great for parents and teens. Registration is open now at familylife.org. Did you know that Family Life offers a variety of podcasts? Get up to date with Family Life news or enjoy some family time with Family Life kids. There's The Calling, a podcast for pastors that focuses on the personal and professional challenges they face in the mission to serve their Lord. And 10 Minutes With, an interview program with faith-based artists and speakers. They're all free and on demand at familylife.org slash podcast.